There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. Win. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast. This is episode six, I believe. And uh, yeah, I took a, a extended break, an extended break for, uh, I don't know, over four months. I, I always uh, start shit and then sometimes things happen when you're a comic. And uh, I went on the road for a while. I got married and then we had vacation and then we had a bit of a honeymoon and I went to the NCAA Wrestling Championships, and it's just been one thing after another, and uh, so I got away from it for a while, but the good news is my buddy John Sheezer has like a studio in his apartment that he can uh, record this, so that's where we're doing it from, and I'm going to make it an appointment where I do it like every Tuesday at noon, um, so, so it, there's some uh, continuity to it, and I promise I'm not just going to make it a sporadic thing and uh if i go back on my promise what are you what are you out of really you don't get to listen to me you'll be okay um <laughs> but i do plan on uh keeping it going and and so there's just something easier about making an appointment and being like okay every tuesday at noon i'm gonna go over to john's he's my new neighbor also john Sheezer is a comedian he's a friend of mine he's from kc um so I'm happy to do it. Happy to be here. Yeah, and it'll be fun to bounce stuff. Absolutely, off you, and it won't just be me rambling into a microphone for thirty minutes. Plus, minutes. we go back. We grew up in similar areas. We know yeah. similar references. You went and to Shawnee Mission Northwest High School, and uh, you went to West. Being a Viking, I'm a Cougar. Yeah, enough said. Yeah, the rivalry is deep. When did you graduate, John? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay, I was ninety four. So I got a few years on both. You, pro- both products of the eighties and nineties. Yeah. We get that the 80s was uh, the best time ever to have movies. Man, I, I went down memory lane yesterday. I uh, cleaned out my garage. They do this thing where I live. Every twice a year, they will throw away anything you've got. Anything. <laughs> I mean, you That's actually a, a good way to you know keep the, keep the neighborhoods clean and like... Yeah, and... Allows and, you to buy more stuff, keep the economy going. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. There's some people around the corner from us that... I guess they have their their family come and drop off all their crap because I mean there is shit just solid all the way down the block of of crap and these trash men have no choice. I mean oh. it can be anything as long as you disguise it right. I don't think you're supposed to throw away <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to throw away electronics but uh I, we did. We threw you just, shit you just take it apart and stack it. You know, like, well, we've stuck it in all this uh, in this big container, and then put all this you know crap that you can throw away on top of it, and duct taped it, and stuck it out there, and it weighs like freaking two hundred pounds. They're probably like, God, there's probably a body in here. Well, I'm not looking. <laughs> if there is, good job, buddy. Good on you. But yeah, if you want to kill somebody, that's probably when you should do it: April or October around here. Now, how how, how was your cleanup? Did you make some hard decisions? Had to throw some tough stuff away to make yeah, room. Yeah, man, I, I, uh, I'm a pack rat. I get that from my mother. Uh, she's one of these people that overpacks for everything, and so do I. But to answer your question, yeah, I went through so much stuff, and I had so much just. I can't tell you how many to do lists I had kept. I mean, I had like I bet I threw away 500 of them yesterday on napkins and all that. But the thing is, when you're a comic. 
you have to read through everything because you don't know where there's a joke written. There's one right here. I exactly. Just, I just did this one earlier. There's a to-do list from yesterday. That's email. Dude, I've Sandy. got them on napkins on the back of like <laughs> on the back of uh, plane ticket jackets. I mean, everywhere. And when you're a comic, like I said, you have to. I had to read everything. I read. I don't know how many scraps of paper yesterday. Just. And I actually got a few good jokes off them. I'm I, like, and that's why I don't throw shit away. But then consolidated. I, I do the same. I, I have kind of a box over here. I'll throw them in there. And then every couple months, if I'm feeling lonely, just take <laughs> just through them all. And you'll find some gems yeah. that you completely forgot about it that you wrote down at like 3 in the morning. And it's usually a one-liner. And you're like, well, shit, that's a good one-liner. Why didn't I ever do that? Like I found one yesterday that said, uh, age is just a number. And then I wrote underneath it, yeah, how fucking old you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. pretty funny. That's yeah. a joke. You could throw that in anywhere. Yeah. Right? Um, because my mom's big on saying that age is just a number. I'm like, yeah, well, tell that to my joints, mom. Um, age isn't just a number, but uh, it is about how you take care of yourself. But, but anyway, that's getting off the point. I went through so much shit. I found I found letters from colleges that I never wrote back that wanted to give me scholarships. And I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? What was wrong with you? Why didn't you even respond to these people? You know, I mean, I responded to the, the where I went, and it all worked out fine, you know, just because I got no other choice but to feel like that. But, um, I mean, some good things happened about where I went to school and wrestled at Labette and all that. But now Where had, is Labette? It's in Parsons, Kansas, down by Pittsburgh State. Okay, okay. And I met some friends that I'm st- met some people that I'm still friends with to this day, and still stay in contact with. And my wrestling coach there was a great man, and and a lot of positive things. But well, the small schools, are, like I went to a small school, and I, some my closest friends are people from that school because yeah. you just there's. And high school for me. High school and that small college. I went to K-State, and the people that I keep in contact with are the same people that I I went to high school or college with. So it just happened to work out that I also went to college with them. So... uh, there are some, some perks to, small, to a small college. I liked it. Oh, and especially the first two years, all they make you do is retake all the shit you did in high school. That's all the first two years of college is. It is such a freaking scam. It's like, what do you mean you're making me take math and basic English and all this shit? Weren't they supposed to teach me all that in high school? Like, this should just be about what I'm going to do with my life now. Not all that other bullshit. That first two years is such a freaking scam. But I went to a small school, and I got a lot of classes out of the way that, frankly, I don't think I would have passed anywhere else. College algebra, I would have never passed that at a a big school like K-State. I would have just gotten lost. Like, wait, what? What the fuck are you talking Big about? classrooms. We got long take walks home. to campus. Yeah, dude. We got take-home tests at Labette at, in college algebra. I would take them to my college roommate, who was like a freaking genius, Michael Cresswell, and I'd be like, hey, buddy, can you do this test for me? And he'd be like, he could have given me more than an hour. And he'd just nail it. He'd get me at least a B in, like, short notice, you know. Um, but he was so smart at that stuff. And I, And that's my thing with higher education. I'm like... Why make kids do shit they don't want to do? Why not at least steer them? If you have a kid that clearly has no math aptitude, 
Why make them take all these freaking math classes? I understand getting the basics down, but beyond that, that is not a kid who's ever going to go into anything where math means shit to him. Right, if you're trying... Higher math. If you're trying to teach someone like that... Because there's there's a certain, like, I and I eventually understood this, where it's like, what... Because in high school, I was the kid, well, where am I going to use geometry? Well, it's not about where you're going to use it. It's about just conquering something you know nothing about sure. that's very there's challenging. there's that aspect. There's that it. part of it. But yeah. it's, when you're in college, you're yeah. more... <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm doing this now. This is my degree. Why am I, I, want why to am be I wasting a writer. my time? Why yeah. am I wasting my time over here with geometry or yeah. what or college algebra one oh three or whatever it yeah. would be? But I under, what you what you said makes a lot of sense as far as making them do it in, in college, I guess, uh, or in high school. In high school. Yeah. I didn't think about that. There is there is something to I, see, Yes, I, this sucks, but you have to get through it. And in high school I was not I was not that person. Yeah. Uh, I think I took whatever the lowest level of math was, yeah. probably two or three times. Uh, I remember at one point, the first uh, like drug conversation I ever had with my parents was because of this. I was in dumb people math my sophomore year, and they were rolling up fake joints out of pencil shavings. <laughs> and it was funny because they were like, whatever, probably listening to Beastie Boys and rebelling and whatever. So I had one of these fake joints. <laughs> And a box of gobstoppers, half eaten in my backpack. And I don't know why I thought it was cool just to have a fake joint or whatever. Right. You felt like you were doing drugs. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it, funny. I it went just, through that phase when I was a kid. Just a thing full of pencil shavings, right? So I go home and I put the gobstoppers up on my little counter or whatever, right? Well, my fat ass little brother comes in <laughs> and he sees a box of gobstoppers. He's like five or fifth grade, something like that, sixth grade. He finds the joint in there. Somehow, I, knows that that's a joint at 11 or 10 yeah, go, yeah. goes to my parents so that I have this my, you know so it's like what's this I'm like it's it's pencil so you've got to try to explain I'm like it's pencil shavings I mean you got nothing you got nothing on me there's nothing in that that's I'm just imaginative so did had, they care though yeah they were like well that's dumb I'm like yeah it is it's really really fucking dumb I don't know why I did it and you called me out on it. And I, I saw a movie when I was a kid about this guy who got into drugs and got in real trouble with him and all that stuff. And, and I was just a imaginative kid. And I, I put, uh, um, I, I remember like, like rolling up fake, fake joints and like doing, doing like fake line, not lines. I didn't snort anything up my nose, but just <laughs> pretending like I'm a drug addict, you know, just like, you know, right. and, and I didn't really want to do drugs. I was just pretending to be this guy that I saw on TV that ruined his life. It was called stoned. <laughs> and this guy, like, I don't know. He like whacked some kid in the head with a boat or when they're like playing or something, but he's so stoned. He didn't realize he'd hit his head and his friend in the head with a freaking boat or and for some reason, I wanted to be this kid for a little while. So, and I was little too. I wasn't like you know freaking junior high. I mean, I was like ten years old. And for some reason, I was just like, yeah, I'm a druggie too. Maybe that's why they don't let kids watch. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe it's not it necessarily is. the language of the violence. It's just kids are just enough to just reenact, you know, whatever the whatever they see kind right. of going on. For me, it was weird. I, there was this. Uh, it was was it called just nine one one? I can't remember. It was something where. It was they reenacted the nine one one calls. I think that's what it was. But there was one episode where there was this kid that had a butcher knife, just running around the house, and he ran around the corner and he had a knife in his hand and he stabs his sister mm-hmm. accidentally because she's running around the corner at the same time. Yeah, and I, I saw that. You this to is stab a, your this, brother. This is an example of good because at that point. I'm like, I'm never taking a kitchen knife out of the kitchen ever again. <laughs> Still to this day, 
years later, probably I was probably six or five, six, seven years old. I'm like, I still to this day will rarely take a knife out of the kitchen just because of that episode. Yeah. So I guess that's more of an instance of uh, television done good. Yeah. I- example of saved, that. Saved your freaking life, probably. <laughs> I pulled a knife on my brother once in the kitchen because he could kick my ass, and for some reason I pulled out a knife like I was going to stab him. I pulled. What's the age out. difference? Was it two or three years? Um, he was two years. But uh, we went through, like, when I was, when he was going through puberty, I was still, like, 11. So when he was, like, 13, he could really kick my ass. And then, actually, the last match we wrestled in college, the last little scrimmage match we had, I won. won <laughs> one to zero, by the way. Because um, he, picked, he picked neutral. I was like, what are you doing? You can't, you're not going to take me down. And, and you was need- that his attempt to say, like, hey, I'm going to, this is how good I am and- uh, I think he just... I, think I don't was, understand wrestling, so when you said neutral, I'm um, assuming that's like you're already at a disadvantage. Neutral you pick. Neutral is both up. You're, okay. you're both on your feet. It's for a takedown. And in the second and third period, um, you, get a, you get a choice. The referee will flip a coin, and if it lands on green, then and you're, and you're wearing a green leg band, it's your choice. And you can choose whether you want to be in the top position, whether you want to be in the down position, whether you want to go neutral... Or whether you want to give him the decision and you'll take it in the third period, which is what I always did. Just so I, you had that decision. Yeah, I always wanted my choice in the third period, especially if it was a close match. And and then I would pick down, always. I rarely ever, because no one could turn me. And so they would have to cut me, which gave me a free point. Or they would just ride me. If they could ride me, fine. But they couldn't turn me. And in so, high school... And that's just like stalling that the clock. When you say ride, it's just... It, um, when you when just say, trying to wear you out physically is that well writing is just uh, maintaining the top position and not letting the guy get away from you but you're not turning him so in college you get a writing time point if you ride your opponent for a minute longer I know it's probably kind of confusing but if you ride your opponent for a minute longer than he rode you in college you get a point but in high school there's no writing time and no one could turn me in high school or college for that matter I was pretty good at not getting turned or being put on my back Flipped in other, over, in, in yeah. other words um essentially losing yeah so i had no problem with people riding me because i usually had a lead and i was like you're not going to turn me so you have to either let me go and try to take me down or ride me out which doesn't get you any points you know so that was my thing in high school i was extremely hard to take down i was really good on top and i you couldn't turn me so the only way you could score on me was to escape me or to reverse me. And sometimes I would let people reverse me just to let them ride me because they couldn't turn me and I had a lead and I was so lazy. you just set them up. Just, <laughs> see, that, see, that's when you're, man, that's when you're good at a sport is when you're setting people up for. Yeah, and I was kind of, I was, I also broke my foot my senior year. So I had to figure out how to stall and score where I could and ease off and, and, and all that stuff. Now, when so. you break a foot, is that preventing you from kind of locking in? Like, do you use your ankles in that in that angle that, that I, creates to lock people down? Or The bone I broke was in the top of my foot, so it was mainly just, it just hurt. Oh, yeah, it didn't really prevent me from doing right, right. a whole lot. It kind of messed up my mobility a little bit, but we put a lot of tape on it, and uh, it was my senior year. I remember I used to go to this thing called... Uh, where we shadowed people, health careers, and we went to uh, Johnson County Community College, and I was shadowing there, and the guy 
the head trainer looked at my foot and he was like, yeah, that's broken. Your season's over. And I was like, uh, I'm a senior. <laughs> I've already screwed up my high school career. It's not what it should have been. So there's no way my season's over. So for the last 18 matches of the year, I just taped the shit out of it. It, it works kind of like, I mean, the pain at one, I remember in eighth grade, uh, there's this middle, there was this elementary school that was really close to my house called Broken Arrow on Johnson Drive. And yeah, I know it. Uh, anyway, they had a nine foot full court basketball. So, like, all these adult, like, if you were 22, whatever, people would show up and because it was fun. The goals were nine foot, people could yeah. dunk and everything. Well, I was like, I was six something, one in going into my freshman year of high school. Really? So, that summer, um, you know, it was on a really good AAU basketball team. We would go up there and play all the time. Well, I had, Stolen the ball. I was on a breakaway going for a dunk. I got pushed in the back by someone that was old enough to buy beer. I was probably, I was just 14. Right. My ankle goes flying and nails the basketball, pulled the inside of my ankle. Mm-hmm. Turns out I, my parents were nice enough. They didn't let me make me go to school. I was like, I can't, it hurts. I can't go to school. No, yeah. stay home, stay home. And then the next, that weekend, played an entire basketball tournament at the Tomahawk Dome off Midland there in uh, 435 and then uh, went to the doctor the next Friday get my checkup anything else oh you know what my ankles kind of I hit it a couple weeks ago he x-rays like well yeah it's broken <laughs> so you've been playing on it all freaking yeah, weekend and I looked at my mom was like I'm so sorry because I was like mom this kind of hurts and he's just, just walk it off and my brother and I were constantly like the walk it off you know right. fighting and bumping and unless there was really a lot of blood um we weren't going to the hospital, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, I still hold that one over her today. <laughs> Mom, if you're listening, I do love you though. But that yeah. was, that's one that I, I will continue to tell for as long as possible. Yeah. Well, coach Leonard had this thing. He would say, are you hurt or are you injured? And that meant if you're injured, then you can't wrestle. But if you're hurt, you need to suck it up, you know, because if you're hurt, it ain't going to get worse just because, just because you wrestle on it, you know, like my foot wasn't going to get any more broken. And he didn't say that to me. It was just one of those things that was kind of ingrained in me, you know, are you hurt or are you injured kind of a thing. And the fact is I could go on it, so I did. Um, but that was... That and was, uh, you also won the state championship, I believe, right? That's right. With that same broken foot? <laughs> are we going to try to bring that up in every podcast? No, I'm just saying. No, like, I think we maybe we should. Why no, I'm not? just saying no one, like, probably, <laughs> I don't know how many people were listening to Sportsaholics last week when you were on a guest and we were talking wrestling, but oh, that's right, it just did. dawned on me that I'm like, wow, that was probably, I think that was his state championship year that you had the broken foot, so. Yeah, I went undefeated <laughs> with a broken foot, so there you go. Kudos to that. Oh. Yeah, and that's also kind of why I was, my college career, um, my heart was never really in it, and I, uh, you know, which is part of the reason I picked the first. I picked the first school that that was close to me, and, that's, and, and that's, that was easier to get to. And my parents didn't even. My mom didn't even have a freaking car half the time that worked, and I didn't know how I was going to get to and from. You know, like all this stuff just seemed overwhelming to me. Stuff that now, as you know, as an, in, in my early forties, that I'm like, well, shit, that wasn't that big a deal. You could have. But I, I mean, I went. I got letters from Cornell, Southwest Missouri State, all these smaller schools in Nebraska, and I didn't freaking call any of them. I just picked the one that was closest. I went and visited. I liked the coach, and that was it. And I was like looking at these letters yesterday, like it was saying stuff like, "This is worth considerable amount, monetarily speaking," and blah blah blah. And I'm like, 
I didn't even check. <laughs> you know what? And that's... When you're a kid, you're so stupid. And if you don't have parents that that know what questions to ask or be like, well, son, maybe you should look into this or whatever. Well, you're, you know, <laughs> you got to figure out a lot of shit on your own. It, and, you know, just having your mom close, I mean, that's a big, you hear about that all the time in college recruiting where it's like, I'm not leaving the state because my mom is, you know, yeah. or I'm going here because of that. And that's. What was that, about an hour south of Kansas City? Two hours. Two hours, yeah. something like that. And I had a friend that I convinced to, uh, that was really good, that had taken a year off to, uh, I convinced him to walk on to the team. And uh, so I had a buddy to go with me. And eventually come, your brother as well, right? And then, and then my sophomore year, my brother came uh, and walked on and, and uh, <laughs> did, Which re- you can did hear really all, well. You can hear all about in Sportsaholics, episode number 138, that is yeah. up on Stitcher and iTunes. Yeah, my that's, brother. That's my podcast. I'm plugging that. My my brother, since this is my podcast, my my brother was a special talent on a wrestling mat, and he never his talent it never came to fruition. What all he could have done, he's the ultimate coulda, shoulda, woulda story. But looking back, especially, he had a pretty damn good excuse. I mean, he was ineligible half the time because. Uh, because how hard it was for us to get to school half the time, frankly. We always lived out of district, and my mom usually didn't have a car that uh, was very reliable, and we were always late. And and it's hard to uh, it, it's it's hard to worry about your grades in high school when you're worried about getting evicted and never having a telephone and you know your power and water and shit like that getting shut off on the regular and your mom having to you know do whatever she could to figure out a way you know you're on food stamps and all that crap which by the way this is a little side note um people with ebt cards (laughs) man do you know about food stamps and that kind of shit i when i was a kid my mom was on food stamps for a while and we, they were in these yellow coupon books that you had, you had to wait until you got to the register and tear them out. And it was embarrassing because everybody knew what they were. They're freaking food stamps. They're not, it's not money. And it gave you incentive to not want to do that. They had these wick voucher things where you had to fill out, we got a, we got a block of cheese and we got a gallon of milk. And you had to sit a there. A lot of accountability. Yeah, for physically fill it out in front of people and the people behind you are annoyed oh, this poor bastard doesn't have enough money to buy groceries, so he's got to fill out all this shit. And when you're a kid, that stuff really messes with you mentally. And sure as hell never makes you want to do it. Well, the other night, I'm in a Pizza Hut, which, by the way, when I was a kid with on food stamps, there was certain shit you just couldn't buy, you know? You sure as hell couldn't go to Pizza Hut and get a pizza with your food stamps. Not well, a- now they make an EBT card that looks like a credit card, and you just go into Pizza Hut and slide it like it's a credit card. Nobody knows you're on welfare or anything. And I'm sorry, but that's part of the incentive to to get to want to get the hell off that stuff is <clears throat> the embarrassment that comes with it. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood either embarrassed or trying to get around being embarrassed. Like, Mom, please let me off a block from school because our car was such a piece of shit. And you know in Johnson County that's what assholes thing. kids are. So let I me, had to hide try. all this shit that yeah. we didn't have a phone, that we got evicted, that we our car was a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of my childhood was like that, <laughs> which is part of the reason I think I do so well with black audiences, and I've always been such good friend, had good friends that are black people. Not to say that all black people are poor, but a lot of black folks know what it's like, and being poor is almost like being gay. Like, you can look at a poor dude, even if they're wearing decent clothes, and be like, you ain't got shit either. <laughs> you know? The, the and, EBT thing, too. 
because you'll see like it's it's like a it's almost as prevalent as a open sign on a 7-eleven now now accepting ebt like get the come in here and spend your hard received money by the just gets deposited yeah, in your we accept ebt and that's look it, i just i just know a lot of people that have gotten the system pretty good you know with with collecting that stuff especially mm-hmm. out here in california it's really shady like if you book one commercial that pays you 80 grand and then you don't book another commercial for like whatever eight months there whatever it is you're unemployed and right. then you also qualify for the eighty thousand dollar so you're just i knew yeah. i knew people that were getting bank from the government you know doing that really yeah oh yeah and so i mean this was years ago when people still made a living booking commercials now it's just hey you want to be on this internet commercial it's going to pop up on youtube about five times and then go away forever you're right like, okay well my <laughs> wife explained to me that there is a way to um to to work the system so you can make like i mean a pretty damn good living just by like having kids out of wedlock don't ever get married um and i can't i i'm i'm not doing a good job of 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 uh saying exactly what you have to do but if you have it's half like a, a brain code. it's yeah, like a tax code you can work the system like a motherfucker you can work your ass off and make $45,000 a year or you can sit on your ass and not do shit and make 40. So it's like, well, what, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why am I going to go work at Walmart or something when I can just sit on my ass and not do shit and make more money than, you know. And I don't, what I don't understand is that you get, it's taxed too. Like just, like that's why the taxes are so messed up. It's like, don't tax, like you're, you, the government just gave you this money and now they're taxing it. Like, just keep that money in the first place. Like, don't send me that money. Keep that 20% initially. Right. Just send me less. And don't re-tax me. It's like they just shift money everywhere to just, it's like smoke and mirrors. And and now they're getting ready to make the, raise the minimum wage by $2. And everyone's like, yay. And I'm like, well, who, somebody's got to pay for that shit. Everything is going to go up. People aren't going to go out as much as they used to. Um, hopefully it won't hurt comedy. Comedy has been the one thing that usually weathers those kind of storms. 9-11 was the only thing that... Really? I, I mean, remember the Glazers had a show that night. I had to go on stage that night. You, you performed that night? On September 11th, yeah. Damn. They had a show that night. They don't They don't cancel shows. <laughs> if they think they can make $8, they will. <laughs> I shouldn't say that because I'm going to be there in two weeks and who knows if they'll... Hey, and I'm going to be there in three. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... We'll see. September twentieth through the twenty second, I'll be there. Stanford's at the Legends, so back out at the Legends. Back out at the Legends, the new old location. I'm confused too. So, um, but yeah, man, I went down memory lane in my garage. I went through. Uh, I found so many old. You remember writing letters to girls back and forth? Um, Somewhat. It was. I mean, that was five. You're five years behind me, so the emails and all that shit were probably starting to pop off. I don't know when, I can't remember when texting started, but writing notes to each other was such a big deal. You know, like, write me. You know, did you write me? You know, that kind of shit. And they'd hand you a piece of, piece of notebook paper and you'd be like, oh, she wrote me. I'm going to read my letter. You know, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't I, I couldn't bear myself to throw most of them away yesterday. I was like, because I, I had, I did consolidate. I got this big box that I had, a, that I put, I, I bet I got 30 comedy notebooks. 
and a lot of it's just redundant shit. But there's a lot of pearls in there. I'm like, I can't throw those away. I'm gonna go you through that entire. I'm gonna go through that entire box, and someday those maybe are your yearbooks, man. Yeah. Those are your comedy yearbooks. And I put it in the other side of the box. I put all this memorabilia shit. Like you know, I can't, I can't throw away pictures of like my nieces or nephews when they're babies, even if it's just a little. I just feel like an asshole. There's something in me that's like eh, I can't. Throw I'm the away same their, way. My I wife can't throw away their cute way. little face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife's like she can throw shit away. I'm like, don't you want to? She's like. <laughs> really? But my mom was so uh, sentimental and about that crap that I came I came across so many cards uh, yesterday from my mom for every occasion and and we didn't have shit growing up and it seems like in almost every card she apologized for not getting me whatever but she was going to get it soon and of course I never did which is fine but <laughs> but you get the, the but love the card the cards the love is very, yes that very was clear. was way you know and every year. She would say, I'm sorry, I couldn't get you this, or I meant to get you this, or I'm going to get you this. And every year I had to say, it's fine. I don't care. It's not important. And I meant it, and I still mean it. And she's in her 60s now, and she's still... Your mom's uh, awesome. I met her for the, at, yeah, the, at your wedding for the first time, she's, just briefly. She's, she's but. very sweet, yeah, and sentimental, and... Uh, has a selective memory, but we won't get into all that. <laughs> hey, they all everyone does after fifty-five, <laughs> man. Everyone does after fifty-five, sixty. Shit, my mom had a selective memory her whole life. She's just like, I don't remember that. I'm like, Well, it happened. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. You might not remember it, mom. But like, it let me happened. go back to notebook number two. This one's from two thousand and four, August. Yeah. You go, you're like, I wrote that down. That definitely happened. But yeah, did she she wrote a lot of sweet things and Bible verses and and this and that, you know, mom stuff. And when I went to college my freshman year, um she uh literally wrote my name on everything like I was going to camp. I mean, deodorant, underwear, toothpaste, every freaking thing I owned had my name on it. So I got shit from that, of course. And I'm like, man, I can't help it. That's what she does. My mom loves me. Back <laughs> off, guys. <laughs> you know, she writes letters. Um, but that's one of my biggest regrets about college also is that uh, I never got, you know, I beat some good guys in college, but I never let myself get in the sh- kind of shape I needed to completely uh we would smoke weed all the time but, and, but and go to practice that way. And. But is that what you mean? Because I'm like, look, when you wrestle, like you're in the shape. I don't, I don't understand what you mean. Like, how much better shape could you have possibly been in? Aside, aside from removing, uh, you know, the extracurricular partying and that kind of stuff. Obviously, you remove that. You're right. You, know, you breathe better. But like, as far as physically, like strength and stuff, could is was that even possible for you to get any stronger or any leaner? Oh, sure. You can always get stronger. You can always get better at wrestling. You can always get in better shape. And wrestling is the kind of sport where it can be the middle of the season and you're in great shape or the state tournament. My state finals match, I threw the guy in a headlock in overtime and pinned him. But my, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but my thought was, I was so freaking tired in that match that I thought to myself, I'm going to try this. And if it doesn't work, I'm 29-1 and one and got second at state. That's how freaking <laughs> tired I was. And I w- if, that, if it wouldn't have worked out, if I hadn't pinned that kid and the way it went down, I would still to this day be like, I can't believe you just freaking gave up in the state finals. But that's essentially what I did. I was like, man, this is going to work or it's not. <laughs> what was that guy's name? Brand. Do you remember that guy's Matt name? Matt Brandmeyer. He went to Shawnee Mission South. I beat him six different times, which was which was 
So that's hard to do. So he knows you. Like he's yeah. wrestled you probably yeah. several times over the years. Yeah, we'd wrestled five times in two years going into the state finals and uh he probably was not the kid that should have made it to the finals, but sometimes you just get on these runs and he did. He he got on this tremendous run at the state tournament. He uh was getting beat eight to nothing in the semis and I was like, Okay, I guess I'm wrestling that guy from Dodge City and I looked back up and it was thirteen to eight. He had just figured out how to turn this kid and just started turning him on his back like crazy so i wrestled him in the finals and this fucker took me into overtime i mean i'd beaten this guy 13 to nothing before and we went into overtime and part of it was because uh, when the when it's the finals or something you need to get in a workout earlier in the day you need to get your blood flowing well i didn't do shit i just laid around and watched watched everyone else wrestle and being at tournaments is exhausting too. Yeah. You sleep and, under the bleachers, yeah, you're on the bag. Kind of languished in the fact that I was in the finals. You got your discman just, playing with yeah. some Alice in Chains or Nirvana. <laughs> well, actually, my junior year, I I I I got all I wrestled uh, this kid from Rockhurst, and uh, and he had no business beating me, and he beat me, and part of the reason was because uh, I was listening to this Metallica, and I got all fired up, like I'm gonna kill this guy. And I took off my headphones, and I went out there, and all of a sudden, like, the music was gone. You know, all of a sudden it was just like, now, you know, yeah. And all of a sudden, it, I went from being all fired up to, like, this low, and anyway, plus I ate enough to kill a small farm animal that day. I ate so much. <laughs> we had to make weight on, like, Thursday, and then again on Monday, I think. So making weight was really hard, and I had eaten... I don't. I literally ate from the time I got off the scale up until about an hour before we wrestled. I just I could not stop eating the whole day. Just small snacks, <laughs> small for like a twenty-four straight hour. The hours. whole freaking day through school, I was just eating all day long. And on the way to the on the way to the duel, I had my friends stop, and I I had this way to scam chicken nuggets or anything from McDonald's. You just tell them you don't. They forgot to give you something in the drive-through, and you don't have their receipt. That that's that's a poor kid trick. You go, you go in, you go, hey, we went through your drive-thru, we had a really big order, you didn't give us a double cheeseburger. And they'll just rip McDonald's, they just go, okay, here you go. I mean, they used to anyway. So that day I pulled my, my McDonald's chicken nugget scam. <laughs> so you got 12 nuggets. I got 20 of them. <laughs> oh, shit. I got a 20-piece I was so greedy and ate it on the way to the duel. <laughs> anyway, I lost by two points to this dickhead who had no business beating me and... Uh, I went to the bathroom. Nuggets. I went to the bathroom and just—I had never thrown up so hard in my life. So I learned two lessons that day: freaking stop eating a good few hours before you get on on the scale if you have the opportunity, and don't listen to music. And from that day forward, I never listen to music before a wrestling match ever again. And even now, when I run, sometimes I'll do it without music. Uh, and then I heard Louis C.K. heard—I heard him say he did the same thing. What's that fucker? I swear to God, I come up with so many premises and things, and then I'll see like his special or I'll hear about something he did, and I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> he did yeah. it before me again! Well, that's part of, the, part of the problem here, Tim, is that you're funny, and you're, on, you're mentally on a certain wavelength that only <laughs> few comedians are tapped into. Well, I don't know. And that. uh, that's the premise thing, and that's, I mean, that's why I give credit to guys that are out there nightly just throwing shit out. Part of it, it's like getting it out there that, like, that's my bit. Like, oh, yeah. no, no, so... If it's like that's happened before with one comic that is at the comedy store, didn't steal a bit, but it was a similar bit. But 
I've been doing it for five years. Right. And everyone was like, hey, so-and-so's doing that bit that you did, uh, you know, but yeah. only because I'd done it so frequently. Yeah. And that also was me being lazy and pounding a bit for years when I should have just done it for six months. But, right. But, you know, there's something to be said for having a polished act, too, you know. Um, but as far as, like, writing new stuff, my thing is, like, if I know in my heart that I wrote something, it's me. It's my thing. I've been doing it for years. I, or it, I just it, it, it's genuine from me. I don't shop around to see if, does anyone else have one of these? I don't give a shit because I know I didn't steal it. I know I didn't. And there's no way I'm going to come up with something word for word as someone else, you know, and every premise has been, I guess he did this bit about, uh, about how he wants to be gay and all this stuff. And I guess it was really funny. Justin was telling me about it today. I haven't seen it yet, but I was like, damn it. I was just writing about that kind of shit. I mean, I was just doing it. And now people are like, Oh, you saw the Louis K special. I'll be like, ah, shit. You're like, I heard about it. I haven't seen it before I even did it, you know? So now I can't even do it, but um, that's my thing, because I'm like, there's so much shit out there. I worked with this middle act one time who was, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm listening to comedy. I like to do that to make sure I'm not doing anything else anyone else is. And I'm like, well, then you're just wasting your fucking time, man. Yeah, but he's screening, like, every, like, NS, comedy yeah. NSA, like. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to go through everyone and find, make sure you're not doing what they are. That's a waste of time on a lot of too. freaking levels. I don't want to listen to that much comedy. Uh, I like comedy, but I, uh, yeah. Man, I don't, now I like it like, oh, wow, that guy's good. And then I can stand there and watch it for three or four minutes. And then I'm like, all right, I got to go. You know, I can't yes. stay in a room long I don't, enough. Well, and part of it, too, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to absorb anything. Like a, so Yeah, that shit happens, the, too. The cadences or, like, even it might be sublim, subliminally an idea. Yeah. Or just, I mean, I see it all the time with Brody Steve. Yes. Like, how many times, you, like, you'll hear that at the store all the time. Someone will just be like, yes, on stage. Yeah. And that's just because they've known Brody for 15 years. Right. And it's a catchy, fun thing. It's fun to say. Try it at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enjoy it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so that's kind of why I try to not marinate in comedy club rooms. I'll be out back yeah. hanging out talking I, about. I, I read this line. I wrote it down. And I'm like, shit. Did I, did I come up with that? Did one of my friends say it? I don't remember where I heard it, but the line is, um, and I'm going to do it on stage. So uh, the line is, uh, pulling more tail than a special needs kid at a petting zoo. Oh, my God. <laughs> How funny is that? It's so visual. I can just, I can, I can, it paints such a clear picture. I think everyone's seen that. Immediately, you're like, I hope the kid's not getting kicked by the donkey. Yeah. But the thing is, I cannot, like, it's one of those things I came across, and I'm like, where the hell did, it, where did, why I... did I write that down? Like, because I know I wouldn't have heard it from a comic and wrote it down. I know I wouldn't. I don't yeah, do that. Yeah, that's just not a tendency. Yeah. Right. That's not something I do. So... Either a friend of mine said it, and I was like, dude, that's hilarious. I've got to put that in a bit. Or I came up with it one night after smoking pot or something and just didn't remember it. But I'm going to use it. And uh, <laughs> But I'm like, God, did I subliminally hear that? Because it just sounds like too perfect for a freaking line. Give, give it to me one more time. I just want to hear it one more time. Uh, well, the line is pulling more tail than a special needs kid at a petting zoo. Uh, yes. But I need to figure out where to come up with it. And I think yeah. it's – or where to put it. Right, right. I think the line – I think it should be um, – um, like after talking about how much pudding my brother used to get or that point. I, I don't know. Yeah. But the line itself. An is, Ozarks trip or like a Vegas strip story or something like that. Yeah. Or, There's a lot of places I could put it. And that and that's what I've done my whole career is I'll think of a line and then I'm like, okay, now just 
find an easy way to put that in your, you know, and, and it's not as hard as you think, especially if you're on stage and you're like, you have to do it a different way. It's amazing how you can come up with a, a segue that makes sense. You know, not just a segue, but one that makes sense. That it's actually fluid. On that, the on the cuff. It's it, not that hard. That's my uh, favorite compliment I'll get after a show is, like, it just, it, it was just over before we knew, like, and you just, it was just like you were just hanging out and talking, you know. and That's the benefit like of the having seamless, segues and shit. You know, because it ultimately, and I learned that from Chris Rock in high school before I even did comedy, and I forget which which special it was. It was one with the big, the one that looked like the Colorado Rockies logo in the back of the mm-hmm. stage. I don't know if that was bigger, blacker, which, yeah. but I remember just dying laughing, dying laughing for, you know, it's like, you know, it's Chris Rock. And all of a sudden it dawned on me and I just go, how did you, how, wait, I was just laughing about this bit and now he's talking about something completely different. Like, yeah. how did he get there? And so I went back and actually followed the joke. Mm-hmm. And it, it ultimately comes down to one or two words or a quick phrase. Yeah. And that'll spin it 90 degrees, yeah. whatever degree you want to spin it. It can be like an off, off topic or, you know, just those key words bridge sometimes yeah. entirely different topics. Well, but I learned, seamlessly. I learned a couple things this week that made me feel better in general about being a performer and everything. I learned that uh, Richard Pryor had ridiculous stage fright at one point of his career. And I've dealt with it my whole career pre-stage anxiety and all that and sometimes it's really bad and sometimes i feel like i'm getting ready to go to bed i mean i'm so relaxed so i just never know when it's coming but richard Pryor dealt with it and a lot of other uh, really good comics that i respect uh, dealt with it and uh i also learned that chris rock and maybe i'm wrong but i heard this from a pretty good source i think uses set lists even on his specials he has them like glued onto the stage Maybe I'm not supposed to say that shit out loud, but he does. He has, like, on the lights, he'll have, like, all, all the way down. So when he's walking back and forth, he can always look down and kind of cheat. And I've used, I use a set list all the time, and especially if it's new stuff, um, I'll put a star by, like, where I want to talk to the audience or, or whatever. I feel like that was maybe taboo 20 years ago. Um, I, I'll do it. I don't, I don't care. And I... And, I don't even really reference it occasionally, yeah. you know, and that's just to go back and almost like mentally catalog like, yep, I did do that one. It did you know? bother me back when, you remember Janine Garofalo? Yeah. She did a Comedy Central or HBO special and for like 30 minutes she just read off a pad. You know, like she was at an open mic and I'm like, it, Jason Dixon pointed it out to me. I was like, you know what? You know how many comics would give their right nut to have a freaking Comedy Central special or an HBO special, and you're up there reading off a yellow legal pad like you're at an open mic? How fucking dare you? Was she inventing alt-alt comedy at that very moment? (laughs) Dude, it was just bullshit. And I was just like, really? You know, like, really? Just go do your guest spots on Seinfeld. That's part of where all this shit started where, where, oh, you want money to do comedy? And yes, it is one of the hardest things in the world. To do right. And people these days are just like, give it to me for free. Somebody emailed me a couple days ago asking me to do 30 minutes, PG-13, in Santa Monica, one of the most stuck-up places on the planet, for no pay. Oh, there's going to be some industry there. Fuck you and your bullshit gig. You know, no. You want me to do 30 minutes 
PG-13. Am I performing for 13-year-olds? No, they're adults? Then fuck off, first of all. Then they sound awful. And they're in Santa Monica, so almost everything I say, they're going to be like, oh. Which is a driving uh, death trap. You can't get in or out without investing an hour and a half of your life. Yeah, so it's going to be like four hours of my life to do PG-13, 30 minutes. Oh, and by the way, you're not going to pay me a nickel because you claim there's industry there. How fucking vague a term is that? (laughs) There's going to be industry, so I need you to come and give me your best 30 clean. The marketing Fuck you. <laughs> no, I mean, but even part of me as a comic's like, wow, thirty minutes in in L.A. <laughs> like that's yeah. how that's how. Yeah, trust me, I know, yeah, yeah. man. The thought the, that's came how to me. The co- what kind of industry? Maybe I should just do it. And then I was like, no, no, you're not doing that. No, they no, can no, fuck no. off. No, it's uh, it they, that does not sound. Now if they were, yeah, no, is no, it very vague? Just and who knows? Maybe it could have been the opportunity of a lifetime. But that went right in the trash. I mean, it was almost an insult. And it was all I could do. And in the old Tim Gaither, especially if I had had a couple of drinks in me, I would have been like, here's what you can do with your fucking kids. <laughs> Here, here's what I think of you and Santa Monica. And guess what? PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have heard every nickel of it. Every bit of it. How long have we been rambling here, John? Uh, just a little bit over 40 minutes. It's, okay. How, how are you feeling so far? Uh, I'm good. I've had a good time. Um you want to take a little break and then we'll come back and kind of wrap this up? Um, or, or do you want to do a halftime thing? Or No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should just wrap it up now. But uh, well, I kind of wanted to I wanted to definitely drop the clip from the Laugh Factory, the, okay. the crowd work clip. Um, and then listeners, uh, we can right now, you're probably listening on SoundCloud. We're going to try to take the link, push it to Stitcher which okay. to broaden the audience. And ideally, is it on uh, iTunes? I've did, I'm assuming pop. Probably on iTunes at some degree. I don't think it is, actually. Okay. Well, That's then another we'll... reason that uh, John is coming on board, because uh, I don't know if you guys know me, but I am the worst about all this shit. Like, I post a thing on Facebook every now and again, but uh, I'm not good at social media. I don't know where to put this shit. I don't know... There's a lot of stuff that John is great at that I'm not, so he's going to help me. Well, then that's why when we were doing the Sportsaholics, you know, I'm like, look, you come over, we're, we're neighbors, and... Uh, I just think you need to be it like the guy or girl listening right now that's still 12 minutes from work and it's 7 a.m. in you know Fayetteville, Arkansas, or you know Bloomington, Indiana, or wherever you're, you guys are listening. You know, I just wanted to help bring Tim's voice and thoughts to your brains because it's ultimately it's going to set your mood. It's going to be you know it's going to I feel like help your day. Speaking speaking of moods, um, and and we can probably end on this if you want. Uh... Plus, there's a clip on here that I would like people to hear. Um, it's just something I... It was crowd work that you can... I could probably never recreate. Well, we got to go through plugs, too. We don't forget plugs. We're going to do some plugs. But uh, I, I went through a few days of just depression. <laughs> Where I was just like, fuck everything. Everything sucks. I don't want to do anything. Um, I'm so tired of everything. <laughs> you know, I just went through it, man. And, and I go through it sometimes. But it and and occasionally it lasts longer than others. But here's the thing: if you're listening and you're depressed or something, whatever, it always passes eventually. And when it does, you're like, "What the hell was that all about?" And 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 colors are brighter, and you and you're happier about just being alive. All of a sudden, you love your dog more and everything. So sometimes you have to go through that shit. But it will pass. It will. And if you you know if you try to look at it, you know. 
it increases the value of what is good in your life. Yeah. You know, when, when you come back to the surface. When you come back. You're like, because you know when what? you're in it, oh, it's at thick. least for me, it feels like you are never going to get out of it. You know, to where, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to kill myself and I'm not going to, and I'm not saying that on the podcast that I am, but when you're in it, like, I get how people who are in it and, and, they, and they've been that way for like years, how they finally just go, you know what, I'm done. I get it. And that scares me where I'm like, well, then you got to start exercising or get out in the sun or uh, read or just do something with yourself. Just get busy, you know, and that shit will go away. It, it will. Eventually. It's sad, too, just to think like that, 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 there's, that there's someone out there. That, that could be that lonely, you know, or that yeah. or that isolated or, or desperate. Um, but you're right. It's just a matter of meeting friends. Like I do this a bit about P90X because the commercial is like, I lost all this weight and I got friends now. It's like you, my, the bit is like you don't want gym friends. Gym friends are shitty people. They <laughs> fuck your girlfriends. They don't pay your loans back the, when they borrow money. And that I'm like, if you want to meet friends, go read a book and learn more about a certain topic and then. God forbid you meet people that also love that top. that top. Yeah, and then yeah. like that—that's how you meet real, real friends. You don't not by like you know losing weight, you know. So just go out there and and go down to the beach or, especially now there's so there's social stuff. My wife all the time like we went and saw a magician last night in Westwood, which coincidentally then veered into some weird Christianity thing. It was like I'm sitting at, we're sitting front row magician, and then it, all of a sudden we're in like a church in, yeah. at UCLA, which was very, you know, it's college campus right, right now with, it was like, I don't, I don't know if this has happened. I'm surprised if this would have happened in Berkeley, there would have been riots or something like people burning, like they're talking about Jesus in there. They're talking about <laughs> Jesus in there. We can burn them all, you know, like that kind of stuff. But the only reason we found it, she just went online. What Evil is, stuff stu- like peace and love. Stuff to do tonight. And bam, it's just, you can, wherever you are, you can find, go go uh, learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. or Yeah, or help someone else. Oh, that's you good. You know, help someone who's in a shitty spot, and all of a sudden you you feel better. It, it's just weird. And when you're in it, like I said, I know, man, it sucks, but you, you'll get out of it. And sometimes in the same day, you'll get out of it. So. You know what's going to help you also? I'm gonna, we're going to play this clip. From, now, to set this up, this is from the Laugh Factory Tropicana in Las Vegas. Is that right? Yeah, the last time I was there, um, I, I'm, I, I am very hard on myself and shows and all that stuff. And that week was 14 for 14. I enjoyed every show and felt like every show went well. And there was one that I was kind of teetering on. And then I was like, no, you're not taking my perfect week. I'm calling it a win. <laughs> 14 and 0. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's like almost, like, almost like a Joe DiMaggio-esque comedy hit streak right there. That's that's pretty impressive. Same venue, too. And Vegas crowds are difficult. They're from everywhere. They, they don't, can be. They don't all get the reference. You know. And next, I'll be there in June, and it'll probably freaking suck. Because... Oh, yeah. And also, guys, you you, you, can, go, you can go to TimGatherComedy.com. That's Tim Gaither, G-A-I-T-H-E-R, Comedy.com. Check out all his upcoming shows. Um, yeah, so I'm going to play this clip. This is... Um, was in Vegas and what are you guys? just a little crowd work Mexican? with some guys up front that I wasn't sure where they were from. What are you? Kuwait. All right. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> See, you guys got that going for you. you just, people don't know a lot about Kuwait. They're just like, all right, that's cool. Kuwait. I know it's an oil-rich place. I know that. This guy's from Texas. You just fucking keep an eye on him, all right? 
It's in his blood. He'll just leap across the table. Pakistani! He don't know the damn difference. <laughs> we'll both watch that fucker, all right? What's your name, buddy? Abdallah? All right, it's a good, strong name. What's your name, buddy? Ahmed? All right, nice to meet you both. If you do start shooting up this place, you remember me or you are friends, all right? <laughs> we bonded, motherfuckers, all right? <laughs> no killing the joke so, <laughs> so, after, like, after that show, are they, do they come up and, uh, like, what's a crowd like afterwards? Like, after that, like, are they going to come up and say, like, oh, you thought we were Mexican? Or is it become like, are people, just the racial stuff right now is so touchy. Yeah. You know, so anytime you're like going there, that's why I. That's that's kind of why I like those jokes because when you get laughter from a touchy subject, you're like, yeah, this is gold. Yeah. This is a really good bit where in something that I can turn a whole audience onto this, even though they kind of maybe don't feel comfortable even laughing. That yeah. they, they're forced to. I've got one bit that I do that I've done for years, but I just love it, and uh, it either gets a huge laugh, and sometimes it gets such crickets that I'm just like, God, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Um, but anyway, that's comedy. So Yep, trial and error. Um, again, guys, Tim Gaither, uh, comedy.com, uh, at Gaither Tim. We're going to switch that, reverse. That's on Twitter. And uh, Instagram, I think it's just at Tim Gaither regular style. Yeah, and all that stuff is, all those links are on my webcast, timgaithercomedy.com, so... And so as far as this goes, guys, I mean, hopefully you're listening to it on Stitcher and iTunes or Google Play or on the original location here on SoundCloud. Um, but we, we tell people, I mean, because you've, you've seen Tim before live. That's maybe hopefully how you got here in the first place. And you remember that table of people that you sat with that were there that all had a great time too. just say, hey, Tim's doing a show. Maybe send him the link. Maybe, God forbid, you guys subscribe to it. Maybe leave a comment because when you do that stuff, it actually helps generate um, the anal the analytics go up. You know, you, you you go up to the top of the search engines, all that stuff. It, See, this is perfect, John, because I could never say this shit on my own behalf. That's why I'm here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's why. That's that's that, that's my role. That is my role here, and I don't mind doing it, man. It's well it's well earned. Yeah. Well, thanks, buddy. That's part of the, that's part of the curse of uh, wrestling. My whole life is wrestlers aren't uh, wrestlers aren't people who ask for shit more so than just you we're just taught to keep your head down work hard and good things will happen well that doesn't always happen in stand-up comedy <laughs> so thank you man i appreciate it and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do this every tuesday at noon so and and guys uh also with all that facebook fan like reach out if you got a question you want tim to answer yeah um, i'll answer it i got nothing but free time yep and then same for me if you hate me you can find me i just tell people hashtag john j-o-n is here H-E-R-E John is here just it's that's it's also John is here is my website but if you got any questions or suggestions anything like that just send it our way and we'll answer it on the show please but, do yeah we got nothing we got time it's funny people are always like I know you're busy and I'm like I'm, I'm not that busy <laughs> uh, that's great well, we'll, we'll All right, right, yeah. thanks man alright next week guys and remember keep listening I want
chairs waiting there for me. I guess that old highway would make better company when those white lines and headlights are all that I see. White lines and headlights, they're running through my mind. I don't know where I should look, but you know I got to find a woman who will love me and take me far away from those white lines and headlights I see every day. Bender's White Lines and Headlights from their Down to My Last Dollar album. 